forever. Amen. Amen. Good morning and welcome to Christ Central. My name is Owen. I get to serve as one of the pastors here. If you're joining us for the first time today, welcome to our church. I'm so glad that you're here. Or maybe today's the first time in a long time. Welcome back. Welcome home. I'm glad you're back. Uh, I hope everyone had a happy and enjoyable Thanksgiving with family and friends this week. Uh, yesterday, our youth students and our Bridges ladies played in their respective uh, Turkey Bowl flag football tournaments, and I love Turkey Bowl for two reasons. First, I love how Turkey Bowl and all the practices leading up to Turkey Bowl allow our students to get together and to bond together and to deepen their friendships together as they practice and play together. And second, I love how our entire church family comes together to support and to cheer on our students. And it's just really, really fun and cool to see our, our, our whole church family uh, together. So our Bridges ladies played in a turkey bowl up in Maryland yesterday, and they played hard, and they made it all the way to the championship game, but in double overtime. Heartbreaking loss, and they ended up getting second place. Well, second place is awesome. Congratulations, ladies. Well done, well done. Our Central Youth students also played in their local Turkey Bowl um, against other churches in the area, and they accomplished something very special and very rare. Both our boys' team and our girls' team played great. They went undefeated, and they brought home not one, but two championships. Let's give it up for our youth. So I got to have dinner with the coaches last night, and, um, and they couldn't recall the last time that one church brought home two championships from the same turkey bowl, right? Uh, we don't think it's ever been done before, right? Special, special accomplishment. And, and so since our boys and our girls' teams accomplished something so special, uh, Pastor Huey and I thought we, we need to give them a very special shout out. That's why we preached with the team jersey on today, right? Let's go. Because we're so proud of our, our, of our youth students. And let me, let me just say this, forget the commanders. If you want to watch some good football, come to Turkey Bowl next year and you're going to see some amazing, exciting football at our Turkey Bowl. Now, youth students, let, let me say this. Even if you didn't win the championship yesterday... I would have been so proud of you. Now, by the way, I was just kidding when I said you couldn't come to church today if you didn't win the championship. I was just kidding, okay? Just kidding, but you took me seriously, but good job. Um, uh, I was so happy and so proud to see our students not only compete together, but play for one another, right? And I, I remember watching our youth, girls and boys play, and I was just thinking, as they rooted for each other, how much I loved our youth group. And how proud and how grateful I am to be one of the pastors of this church. I'm not the youth pastor. I wish I were the youth pastor. But I'm just so thankful and proud to be uh, one of the pastors of this church. And also, I want to thank the coaches. Coaches, your love for our youth students is beautiful. Um, thank you for your commitment and your sacrifice. Thank you for investing in the lives of our youth. Because you help them make memories that they're going to have for the rest of their lives. You're not just coaches, you're spiritual mentors, spiritual older brothers, spiritual uncles, and spiritual fathers. So church, let's give it up for our coaches. 
And besides, if our coaches were coaching the commanders, they'd be doing a lot better too, man. <laughs> so on all church Sundays, when we have the whole church together, from the youngest to the oldest, we're going through a special sermon series through the Beatitudes of Jesus, which we're calling uh, the Truly Blessed Life. Whether we realize it or not, our culture is constantly preaching to us its vision of the blessed life through social media, Netflix, TV, movies, magazines, and the window displays at the mall. And according to our culture, the blessed life is a life that has and enjoys success, wealth, material possessions, beauty, romance, power, respect, freedom, recreation, comfort, and pleasure. And if you have kids, uh, that vision also includes success for your kids, whether it's athletic or academic or musical or social or whatever other kind of success you wish for your kids. And our culture's vision of the blessed life is compelling. It's attractive. And if we're honest, we want all those things. And so we work hard and we sacrifice to get those things because we functionally believe that we will live blessed lives if we can have and enjoy those things. But our Lord Jesus gives us a different vision of the blessed life. Now, all those things that I mentioned, they're all good things, wonderful things. But according to Jesus, you can have all of those things and yet not have a blessed life. And also at the same time, you could have few or none of those things and still have a blessed life. And the goal of this sermon series is for us to consider Jesus' vision of the blessed life, not our cultures. And then as followers of Jesus, to embrace and to pursue Jesus' vision of the truly blessed life and not our cultures, even though it's so attractive and compelling. And as we pursue Jesus' vision, for the truly blessed life, we will live lives that are different from the culture, beautifully different from the culture. And that's how we as Christ followers make a difference in the world, by being different from the world. You don't make a difference in the world by being like the world. You make a difference in the world by being different from the world, by living in a way that's beautifully different than how the world lives. And we get to show the world a better way to live, a more beautiful way to live, and to be human. Now, the Beatitudes of Jesus are found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5. And today, we're going to be looking at the third Beatitude in verse 5. But for the sake of context and continuity, we're going to read all of the Beatitudes from verse 1 to 11. And because today is all church worship, uh, that means that we have uh, students from our children's ministry and our youth ministry participate by reading Scripture for us. Because this worship service is as much the children's, as, as much the youth, as it is for the adults, right? And so today, uh, we're going to have Andrew Hull, one of our youth group leaders, come and read Scripture for us. So let's invite Andrew to the stage. People of God, this is the word of our God. Would you please give it your careful attention? Uh, Matthew 5, 1 through 11. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. 
Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be, sons, shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Andrew. So as we study the Beatitudes, it's important that we remember the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount. That's because the Beatitudes are the first portion of Jesus' sermon that we call the Sermon on the Mount. And so in order to understand the purpose of the Beatitudes, we have to first understand the purpose of the Sermon on the Mount as a whole. And Jesus' purpose for his sermon is to show his followers what life in his kingdom is supposed to look like. You see, if Jesus is your king, and if you belong to his kingdom, then what kind of person should you be? And how then should you live? This sermon describes the mindset, the outlook, the character, and the conduct uh, that is appropriate for and expected of those who claim Jesus to be their Lord and King, those who claim to be a part of his kingdom. And in the Beatitudes, Jesus tells us who the blessed are. But what does it mean to be blessed? How we define that word blessed is so very, very important. Now, the word blessed can be translated as happy as Pastor Huey uh, taught us. Uh, and though the word blessed can include the idea of being happy, but it includes more than that. To be blessed means to have the approval and the favor of God. And of course, if you have the approval and favor of God, you will be happy. Now, when we think about being blessed, we tend to think about it in terms of being free from suffering and loss and pain and, and, and hardship. We tend to think about it in terms of having prosperity and peace. That's what we tend to think about uh, when, when we think about being blessed. It's about having you know, health and wealth and love and not having suffering, pain, and loss. But according to Jesus... To be blessed means to have the favor and the approval of God. And do you know what that means? With that definition, it means that you can be blessed while you're going through hard times. You can be blessed while you're suffering from cancer. You can be blessed while your kids are struggling physically or mentally. You can be blessed while your heart is breaking because your kids are struggling. You can be blessed while your life is not going the way you thought it would go. You can be blessed when it seems like you have more reasons to cry and to lament than you do reasons to celebrate and to give thanks. You know, if Jesus is your king, and if you belong to his kingdom, you are already blessed. Because you have the favor and the approval and the love of God. And the best things in the world cannot compare to that. And the worst things in the world cannot change that. You see, if there is a God, then it's far better to gain the favor of God and to lose the world than to gain the world and to lose the favor of God. Amen? 
So what is the truly blessed life, the life that has and enjoys the approval and the favor of God? Well, Jesus tells us in his Beatitudes. And today, we're going to look at the third one in verse 5 where Jesus says, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, when you hear the word meek, what comes to your mind? What's the mental picture that you have in your mind when you think about a meek person? Maybe you're like me, and the mental picture that comes to your mind when you think about a meek person is a person who is shy and quiet, who is uh, who keeps their head down, right? Who doesn't speak up or stand up for themselves, who doesn't cause any sort of trouble, who is often overlooked and easily forgotten, who doesn't share their opinions, who defers to others, and who can easily be taken advantage of and even bullied by those with stronger and more aggressive personalities. You know, when I was growing up in the 1970s and 80s, Asian Americans were racially stereotyped as being meek people in the way that I just described, and I hated it. If you were to ask me, I'd rather be mean than meek. Don't call me meek. I don't want that. And if that's the vision of meekness that we have in our minds, then when we hear Jesus say, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth, it makes us doubt, it makes us wonder, and it makes us want to say in our hearts, really? Are you sure about that, Jesus? Because in our culture and from our own real-life experiences, it seems like the ones who are blessed are not the meek, but the strong, the dominant, the aggressive, the assertive, the ones who have power because they get Whatever they want. It seems like they're the ones who inherit the earth. They're the ones who conquer the earth. And they get whatever they want in life. In fact, our culture says, blessed are those with mamba mentality. Forget meekness. It's the Kobe's of the world that win. The killer instinct. Who impose their will on others by force. And they take what they want. They win all the prizes. Blessed are those with mamba mentality. To be honest, I think it's easier to believe pitiable are the meek because they get run over. They get pushed around by the strong, the aggressive, and the powerful. They don't stand a chance. They are the ones that get left in the dust. They get the leftovers, and they always lose. Now, if you were to go up to anyone in our church, male or female, and you were to say to them, oh, you're such a meek person. I doubt that person would take that as a compliment. In fact, they would probably feel insulted and offended that you would think that of them. So when Jesus says, blessed are the meek, we're tempted to doubt him, at least in our hearts. So what did Jesus mean when he used the word meek? Now, we know that Jesus was not insulted or offended by being described as meek. Uh, Jesus rarely described himself, but when he did, do you know how he described himself? He said, I am meek and lowly in heart in Matthew chapter 11. So meek must mean something good, right? Something praiseworthy, something to be admired, something even to be desired. Now, on one level, meek means gentle, humble, and considerate of others. 
And we know that those three things describe Jesus to a T. Now, being gentle does not mean being weak or powerless. Jesus was gentle, but he was not weak and he was not powerless. Uh, being humble is not being insecure. Jesus was humble, but he was not insecure about who he was. Being considerate of others uh, is not being a people pleaser. Jesus was very considerate of others, but he was no people pleaser in any way, shape, or form. So if meekness means gentleness, humility, and consideration of others, then being meek is a beautiful, wonderful, Christ-like quality and characteristic that we should all seek to cultivate in ourselves as we are being renewed and transformed into the image of Jesus, meaning to resemble Jesus in his character. And if Jesus is meek, then we should strive to be meek as well because we're called to imitate Christ, right? But is that all that Jesus had in mind when he talked about being meek? Is being meek only about being gentle, humble, and considerate of others as important as those things may be. I think there is another, maybe even deeper level to meekness that Jesus was getting at. Uh, you see, this beatitude, in this beatitude, Jesus was actually quoting a psalm. He was quoting Psalm 37. And Psalm 37 gives us insight into what it means to be meek. Now, King David uh, was the author of Psalm 37, and in this psalm, uh, King David basically does two things. He encourages the people of God to trust God and not to fret when the evildoers and the wicked seem to be prospering and winning and triumphing. Why? Because in the end... It's the wicked who seem to be winning now that will be cut off from the land and the meek who seem to be losing now who will inherit the earth. And so in Psalm 37, verse 11, King David says this, but the meek shall inherit the land. And this is Jesus. This is what Jesus quoted in his beatitude. So according to Psalm 37, what does it mean to be meek? Well, let me summarize for you. To be meek means to trust in the Lord and to do good, verse 3. To be meek means to commit your way to the Lord and to trust in the God who will act, verse 5. To be meek means to be still before the Lord and to wait patiently for him, to not fret yourself over the one who prospers in his way over the man who carries out evil devices. Verse 7. Meek people are not weak people, but people who trust in a strong and mighty God. Meek people are not passive people, but people who patiently wait on God. Meek people are not fearful people, but people who do not fret. But it seems like everyone's getting ahead while they're falling behind. Meek people are not people who take matters into their own hands to get their wins. But people who trust and obey God, even if it means they lose. Listen, meek people 
are people who would rather lose while obeying God than win by disobeying God. Let me say that again. Meek people are people who would rather lose while obeying God than win while disobeying God. That's what it means to be meek. And God promises that it's the meek who will eventually inherit the earth in Psalm 37, and Jesus reaffirms that promise to the meek. And what does it mean to inherit the earth? Well, according to verse, uh, Psalm 37, the wicked who oppress the meek, who seem to win and triumph in this life, they will eventually be cut off from the land, while the meek who seem to be losing will inherit the earth. You see, what Psalm 37 says and teaches us is that there will be a great reversal one day. For now, in this life, the wicked who abuse their power seem to conquer the world and, and to get whatever they want, and it's the meek who get little or nothing, right? But in the end, it's the wicked who will be cut off and the meek who will inherit the earth, who will inherit everything. And the earth that the meek will inherit is not the earth in its current fallen and broken state, but the earth when it's renewed and restored in its glorified and beautiful state. You see, when the risen and reigning Lord Jesus comes again, when he comes back to make all things new and all things right, when he comes to renew and restore the earth into the new heavens and the new earth, it is then that the meek will inherit the earth, the renewed and restored earth. You see, in this world and in this life, the meek may possess little and they may be run over. But in the life to come and in the world to come, it's the meek who will possess all things with Christ. And it's the meek who will reign with Christ. You see, to be meek means to trust God, to wait on God, and to obey God. Even when it seems like honoring and obeying God is causing you to lose or to be left behind. Even when it seems like those who disregard God, who disobey God, seem to be getting ahead and win. You see, to be meek means that you don't fret when you see them winning and prospering. To be meek means that you don't take matters into your own hand and you do whatever it takes to get yours. To be meek means that you trust God and you do what is honoring and pleasing to him, even if it means you take losses as you do. Now, the only way that you will ever be able to do that is if you're able to see by faith that the meek will inherit the earth in its renewed and restored form one day. Only those who are sure of their hope of heaven can take losses in this world and not fret or freak out. Listen, if you think that this life is all that there is, and this world is all that there is, there's nothing after this, then of course you're going to fight and claw to get what's yours. Of course you're going to fret and freak out if others get ahead and you feel left behind. Of course you're going to get mad if you don't get what's yours, if this world is all that there is. Of course. It's game on. Go get yours if this is all that there is. 
but because our eyes have been opened to eternity, because we see by faith that Jesus will come again, and he will bring the new heavens and the new earth, because we know that we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for us. Because we see that, we can trust God and we can be patient even when it seems like we're losing and falling behind because we're seeking to honor and obey God. It's Thanksgiving Day. It's about 2 o'clock in the afternoon and you're beginning to get hungry. And there's some cold leftover pizza from the night before and you and your brother are beginning to argue and fight over who can eat that cold leftover pizza. But if you can see the delicious Thanksgiving feast that's being prepared, if you can see the dining table that's being prepared for this fabulous feast, if you can smell all the delicious food that's being cooked and prepared in the kitchen, do you know what you do? You don't really need to fight over that leftover pizza. And it won't devastate you if your brother eats most of it and you don't get your fair share. Why? Because you know that a far greater feast is coming. In fact, it's the foolish child who overeats leftover pizza right before Thanksgiving dinner. You see, if you know that a feast is coming, you can wait and you won't fret too much if you don't get your fair share of that pizza because you can trust that your mom is preparing for you something so much better and more delicious than cold leftover pizza. Friends, the best things in this world are like cold leftover pizza compared to the feast of God that is coming. The best things of this world are like used toys compared to the inheritance that is coming. And the reason why we will one day receive the new heavens and the new earth as our inheritance is only because Jesus lost everything. On the cross, Jesus lost his father's face as the father turned away and forsook his son. On the cross, Jesus experienced hell so that we might inherit heaven. And because Jesus lost it all, we gain it all. We gain the forgiveness of our sins. We gain eternal life. We gain God as our Father who now loves us and smiles upon us. We gain Jesus, the Son of God, as our Savior and our treasure. And we gain the Holy Spirit as our Comforter who will never leave nor forsake us. And we gain the new heavens and the new earth as our inheritance that we can never lose. And so, even if we lose here or there in this life, we don't have to fret. We don't have to freak out because we know that when we inherit the new heavens and the new earth, whatever we lost in this life will be restored to us. You see, earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. And earth has no loss that heaven can't restore. Because the gospel is true, because Jesus is returning to make all things new and all things right. Because Jesus will one day give us the, the new heavens and the new earth add to us as our inheritance. Because we know and believe this, we can look at the sufferings and the losses in our lives 
And we can say with faith with the Apostle Paul, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the glory that is to be revealed to us one day. Amen? Here's what I want you to do today. Here's my so what. I'm telling me this too. We need to stop doubting Jesus when he says, blessed are the meek. And we need to start believing Jesus when he says, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the new heavens and the new earth. And by the power of the Spirit who indwells us, let's seek to become meek people. Not only gentle, humble, and considerate of others, as important as that is, but more importantly, to be meek means to be a people who trust God, who wait on God, who believe God, who obey God, even in the face of injustice, even in the face of suffering, even when it seems like we're losing and falling behind, or everyone who doesn't give a flip about God are running ahead. Sometimes, at school, at work, I guarantee you, you're going to feel like honoring God and obeying God is going to cause you to be left behind. And those who don't, they're going to race ahead. It's going to feel like that. Those who do not fear God may win and prosper in this world. But blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who trust and wait on God because one day they shall inherit what truly matters what eternally matters. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, give us faith to believe you today when you say, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Oh, Lord Jesus, when we are taking losses, when we're suffering, when we're being left behind, when we, when we feel like we're missing out because we're honoring and obeying God, help us in that moment to have an eternal perspective so that we might see that it's the meek, not the wicked, who are truly blessed because they shall receive the new heavens and the new earth one day. Oh, Jesus, give us faith to believe that and to live in the joy of that. In your name we pray, amen. amen.